This podcast is sponsored by Ball in Maidstone, your brand new luxury sports and gaming bar with American pool, table tennis, beer pong, live sports, delicious food and bottomless brunches. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay on Thursday, January the 6th. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast and I'm afraid it's heartbreaking news to start off the podcast today. A paramedic has died following a crash involving an ambulance and cement lorry on the A21. Jamie is following this story for us today. Jamie, when did the crash happen? Well, it was about 8.20 last night and on the southbound carriageway of the A21 Seven Oaks Bypass, as you say, it involved an ambulance and cement lorry and closed the road for around 12 hours. The air ambulance was called to the scene along with police and firefighters. And you've had a release from South East Coast Ambulance Service, haven't you? Yes, it confirms that it was one of their vehicles involved in the collision. Three members of staff were travelling in the ambulance at the time. Sadly, a female paramedic died at the site of the crash. A male paramedic suffered serious injuries and was flown to King's College Hospital in London, while a student paramedic who was in the back of the vehicle was also taken to hospital with a head injury. The lorry driver suffered minor injuries. And their executive director of operations has also issued a statement. Yes, Emma Williams says we're deeply saddened by the loss of our colleague and our heartfelt sympathies go to her family, friends and colleagues at this very difficult time. Our thoughts are also with the other injured staff members as well as all of those who responded to the incident. We're supporting the police in their inquiries and would urge anyone who may have witnessed the incident to contact them. Thanks ever so much, Jamie. Our thoughts are very much with all of those who were involved in that crash yesterday and their families as well. Kent Online News. A man and woman have appeared in court charged with murder following an attack at a block of flats in Folkestone. Police were called to a property on Coolidge Lane on Sunday night and found a man in his 60s with multiple injuries. He died in hospital the following day. 31-year-old Shane Miles from Rock Avenue in Gillingham and Kayleigh Halliday, who's 36 and from Crown Road in Sittingbourne, have appeared at Folkestone Magistrates Court. Our reporter Rhys Griffiths was there for us. Well, Nicola, this morning at Folkestone Magistrates Court, Shane Miles and Kayleigh Halliday appeared charged with the murder of Paul Wakefield. During two short separate hearings, the court heard that Mr Wakefield was found at his home in Folkestone on Sunday evening with stab wounds to his stomach and a cut to his head. The 66-year-old, who has been described in social media tributes as a true gentleman, was taken to hospital where he sadly died the next day. Miles, who's 31 and from Gillingham, and Halliday, 36 and from Sittingbourne, were arrested by police later in the evening on Sunday, and officers say both suspects were known to Mr Wakefield. No application for bail was made at the hearings this morning. Both were remanded in custody to appear before Maidstone Crown Court tomorrow. Train services in a part of Kent have been disrupted today after a body was discovered. The person was found dead on the tracks near Kernsey Railway Station. South Eastern suspended the line between Canterbury, Dover and Ramsgate. The death is not being treated as suspicious. At Kent Online today, you can see injuries suffered by a couple who were attacked while out walking their dog near Herne Bay. A man says he was punched unconscious while his wife was also hurt as she tried to protect them both in Curtiswood Park. Now, it's claimed another dog walked may have turned violent after being told to put his pet on a lead. It's now being investigated by police. 
The mum of a teenager who died after being hit by a car in Dover has started a petition calling for safer pedestrian crossing facilities. 13-year-old Maya Lawrence was knocked down as she tried to get across the A256 Whitfield Hill, not far from the A2, last October. While hundreds of people have already signed the online petition, which suggests building a bridge over the carriageway so people don't have to use a dark underpass nearby, particularly at night. Kent Online reports. Now, the Kent Online podcast has been told upcoming changes to COVID testing rules will be just as effective. You may have heard that from next Tuesday, Tuesday, if you test positive using a lateral flow kit, you'll no longer need to take a follow-up PCR to confirm it, as long as you don't have any symptoms. You'll still have to record the result and isolate, though. Well, Dr Julian Spinks is a GP in Stroud. The lateral flow tests are very good at picking out when people are highly infectious. And because the Omicron variant is so highly infectious, it means actually they're good at picking that up. So the, the false... Uh, positive rate is about 3%. Uh, With those two things put together, it means that we are probably just as good to be relying on the lateral flow test for people without symptoms. It's important that if you have symptoms, you'll still need to get the PCR. Um, And the added bonus is that actually your um, uh, isolation period starts a day earlier than it would have done waiting for the PCR to come back. I think if you look at the full length of the disease, the lateral flows are less reliable. However, they are very good when you get to the key bit, which is the bit where you're infectious. And that's why they're being particularly used in people without symptoms. Uh, whereas the PCR, you're, it's, a, it's a more accurate test in the sense that it absolutely guarantees it's COVID. Um, but at the same time, it's more expensive, difficult to do. And anyone's had to buy one for travel will know how expensive it can be. It varies from you know around £30 in places like Italy up to £150 uh, in Germany to get one. And that just becomes unaffordable for families. Um, but lateral flow tests, uh, particularly with the Omicron variant, actually are a pretty good guide, which is why we can rely more on them. Um, and uh, obviously you get a result very quickly as well, so you're not having to hang around. Meantime, Kemp Fire and Rescue insist they do have enough staff to respond to emergencies, despite dozens of crew members having to isolate. Figures show as of yesterday, 49 were off after testing positive for coronavirus. A spokesperson says they have robust contingency plans in place to keep everyone safe. And finally on COVID today, a Kemp business expert says it's time we live with the virus to stop more firms from going bust. The pressure of restrictions and changing shopping habits has seen many big brands leave our high streets, including the likes of Dorothy Perkins and Topshop. Well, Professor Richard Scase is from the University of Kent and he's been chatting to Ish. When you do have restrictions, you really are affecting people's livelihoods. Uh, businesses go bust. They run out of money. Uh, Linked to that, you create a lot of anxiety, a lot of mental illness. You create um, possible unemployment in sectors, although there's a shortage of labour at the moment, as we know. Uh, uh, The downside of having more restrictions for economic, social and psychological welfare uh, are very, very high. And that's why governments try to avoid uh, um, further restrictions at all possible costs. Uh, uh, And the key thing here, of course, is keeping the schools open. You have to keep schools open. Because if you close schools, and and I think the government's committed to not doing that, uh, if you close schools, it means that uh, parents uh, have to give up their jobs, have to stay at home. It has a major knock-on effect for the economy, uh, as well as, of course, uh, uh, the psychological and social welfare of families.
when we spoke six months into the pandemic, which feels forever ago now, one of the, pr- the predictions that you made was that we'd see this sustained shift to hybrid working, which it's fair to say that has come true. W- what other things do you think, other significant changes could we see this coming year? Online shopping, um, home shopping, uh, that's not going to get reversed. And that is having a major impact, of course, upon uh, our lifestyles, a major impact upon uh, high streets uh, and shopping centres. A number of um, local authorities are trying to prevent uh, um, shopping outlets, uh, street level shopping outlets, uh, um, from being converted to residential use. That's they're putting their heads in the sand, really. They have to accept the fact their high streets are not going to be as vital, as viable, and as exciting and dynamic in the centre of people's lives, shopping experiences, as they have been in the past. We just have to accept that. Uh, uh, and, and so that trend uh, will, uh, will carry on. Where does that leave the high streets, though? I mean, we, we've seen so many brands have left the high street over the past couple of years. Is that trend just going to continue and more businesses will, will suffer? I, I think it will. I mean, um, often um, pundits say, well, of course, you know, with the end of the um, with, with the withdrawal of, of national retailers from the high streets, uh, then, of course, uh, then you can um, provide a rather different o- offer of small independent stores offering personalised services uh, as a substitute, as a replacement. That is not the case. Those sorts of personalised services offered by locally owned businesses are heavily dependent upon the national retailers to draw people into city centres when they then will have access, they go to the coffee shops, they do the, buy the personalised services, but the big draw, the big magnet is the national retailers. Take those out of the equation and people are not attracted to drive, shall we say, 20 or take the train or the bus, 20 or 30 miles to go to a shopping centre, which offers basically coffee shops, nail parlours and things of that kind. Uh, it's a myth to assume that the, the high streets of the towns in Kent will be revived by some reversal from this inevitable trend. It is inevitable that high streets of the future will not have the same dominance and character and impact upon our shopping habits and therefore the social experiences that go with it as they have had in the past. Well, we'd love to know what you think. You can, of course, have your say by dropping us a message via our socials. The Kent Online Podcast. With Ball in Maidstone. It's feared building a garden village near Maidstone could cause pollution in a river downstream from the site, putting fishing at risk. 5,000 homes could be built on land at Lenham Heath if a local plan for the area is approved. But campaigners think it would damage populations of trout and crayfish in the River Stour. They're among more than 2,000 people and groups who've objected via a public consultation. Meantime, farmland just outside of Faversham could be transformed into more than 150 houses. Developers want to build the 36-acre complex at Lady Dane Farm and say it would also feature shops, a nursery, a care home and playing fields. If approved, it could set up near a separate 284-home site. A dog has died following a kitchen fire in Ashford. The blaze in Manor Field is thought to have started accidentally after items were left on a hob. Firefighters dealt with the flames and cleared the property of smoke after nine this morning. Now, the owner of a motorcycle training school in Thanet says it's incredibly disheartening to be targeted by vandals as they still try to recover from the pandemic. 
Paul Duval had to stop lessons during the various lockdowns, but has started to see business pick up again. Now, the mobile building he used as a classroom on landing Kingsgate has been completely trashed. Paul posted a video showing the damage on social media. Well, I've been speaking to him about the ongoing problems they've had. We can't hold the bikes on the same area because they just get stolen. Um, and in the last two years, we've been rebuilding it because in the last robbery, they couldn't get the bikes out of the container because it was properly welded and uh, they intend, they, so they burnt it down. So we lost everything. So over the last two years, we've been rebuilding it um, and, and, and it's been fine. But then obviously um, COVID's come in and that closed us down for a year and we've just come back and started again. And now we've got another another a mess to clear up yeah so you went back to the site at the weekend didn't you just describe i've seen the yeah. video but just describe what you found when you went along there um well the gates were all closed so we wasn't expecting anything bad um and we even leave the door open there we don't put a lock on the door anymore because i thought well if they look inside they'll see it's nothing just a port a cab in a little classroom and they'll leave it alone which they have done for about sort of eight months or so uh, but i came up the track and obviously, I don't know, perhaps youngsters, and they've found a load of rocks and they've just um, just smashed all the windows um, and just basically battered the porter cabin uh, to the point where it's on its last legs now. It's, it's, it's quite dangerous. We've had it made safe, uh, so there's no glass around and we've boarded up what was the windows. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's warping and obviously the rain's got into it and it's just, it's just destroyed now. It's a bit of a mess. And as you say, it's not the first time the site has been vandalised and you're just trying to get back on your feet after not being able to do classes because of the pandemic. I mean, it's really the yeah. last thing that you want, isn't it? It's the last bit of hassle that you need to try and sort out. Yeah, it, it, it is. I mean, you you work hard. to. I mean, it's, it's not a massive business. It's just a small little business. And we, we enjoy doing it. You know, my wife and myself uh, run it and we've got Michael and James, who are the instructors as well. And they really, really enjoy training people and putting people on the road. But obviously, you know, it, it's been vandalized so many times that it makes you a little bit despondent after a while. And um, the, the last two times that it's happened, I've got so depressed over it that I've just made one of these videos and then put it out there, which, which has been amazing because uh, the local people have just been absolutely lovely. I mean, you know, but it, it, it does bring you down. But, you know, there, there's good people out there as well. I mean, we've got a lovely lady called Sal Devere who's made um, what they call a, a Just Giving page. Um, so they're trying to raise money so we can get some sort of metal office container, which I think would be a lot better because it is, it is vulnerable in, in that area. Uh, we use the old shack as, as somewhere to keep dry, basically. And also for the first port, first part of the morning, when they're doing the first part of the CBTs, we use it as a little tiny classroom. Um, uh, so really, we need something which is like a shipping container, but that's been made into an office. Uh, and that could work really well. Anything, you know, up to about 20 foot long is, is ample for us. We don't need anything bigger than that. And you can see the video footage of the damage by clicking on the story at Kent Online. Kent Online reports. The RSPCA are trying to track down the owners of six puppies that have been abandoned near Canterbury. The four spaniels and two terriers were found dumped in Broadoak Village and are being looked after by the charity. They're urging anyone with information to come forward. You can see pictures of them on the website. Shop owners in 
Gillingham have told us they're sick and tired of children putting themselves in danger by walking across rooftops. Last week, young people were spotted throwing stones and moss onto the street below. Three teenage boys were arrested on suspicion of criminal damage and assault on police. They've since been released under investigation. A man who became cut off by the high tide has been saved from the foot of a cliff off the Kent coast. Coast guards had to abseil down the drop between Herm Bay and Reculver to reach him yesterday afternoon after he got stranded during a walk along the shore. It comes after warnings about flooding in parts of the county. A former Folkestone bar owner is hoping a book he's written about his own struggles with alcohol will help those who are giving up for dry January. Trevor Warman says he realised that in his 20s and 30s he was drinking most days and he saw alcohol as a kind of freedom. What he hopes don't look back hungover will particularly speak to younger men who might be going down the same path. And a rare species of porcupine has been born at a Kent animal park, which is the only place in the country to breed them. At Kent Online, you can see pictures of the new arrival at Hemsley Conservation Centre near Rootham, who was welcomed on Christmas Day. It's not yet known whether it's male or female and hasn't got a name yet. Kent Online Sport. Cricket and Kent Zach Crawley has started batting for England in their fourth Ashes Test. Australia declared on 416 for eight in Sydney overnight and England finished day two on 13 without loss. Crawley was almost bowled out, but it was overturned because of a no ball. The hosts have already won the five-match series as they're 3-0 up. That's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Plus, you can now get access to the ad free Kent Online premium site to do it head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe news you can trust this is the Kent Online podcast this podcast is sponsored by Ball in Maidstone your brand new luxury sports and gaming bar with American pool table tennis beer pong live sports delicious food and bottomless brunches